Hey there, mamas. I have such a good episode for you today. Today, I am talking with Penny, who you may know from Instagram as Sick Happens. Uh, she's a pediatric registered nurse, uh, and she's also got a master's in nursing. And she's also a mama of two gorgeous little boys. And I love this conversation. So Penny started Seek Happens and she's going to share a little bit about it because when she became a parent, she worked out that parenting can be a little challenging at some times. And a huge difficulty is that we all face these inevitable and seemingly relentless bouts of sickness in our children. Today, we're going to talk about fevers, rashes, and just the constant thing that comes up. Is this normal? That I know we are all thinking we have all been there. So Penny, I love how she delivers evidence-based practical education with empathy. So it's she's all about making sure that us as parents have the knowledge before the crisis hits. Seek Happens is an incredible, incredible Instagram page. If you haven't already followed her make sure you do at seek.happens but get ready for today's episode with penny hey mama are you finding motherhood more stressful and overwhelming than joyful and fun are you spending your days in survival mode just counting down to bedtime i was there once too when i became a new mum, i felt lost confused and i didn't know my calling beyond motherhood or even if i had one John 10.10 says that we are called to a full, abundant life, and I know that that includes us mothers. I'm Elise Rooney, and I'm on a mission to empower women through strategies and mentoring to simplify their life and home, make over their mindset, find purpose, walk in faith, to be able to be present with their family. Join me for conversations about being a woman of faith, conscious parenting and marriage, living in your purpose, how you can easily implement simple systems to simplify your home, mind and life, keys to living an intentional life and so much more. Grab that cup of tea and get ready to thrive. This is The Wholesome Mama Show. Penny, thank you so much for coming on The Wholesome Mama Show. And to start us off, can you tell us a bit about you and who is in your family? Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I am Penny. I have um, two beautiful little boys. Um, Rex is my eldest. He's nearly six. Jack is my youngest and he's nearly four. And we live in beautiful Newcastle with my husband, Tony, and our little fluffy puppy, Hugo. He'll probably bark at some point. He's snuggled up next to me. Love the, um, we're doing this with pets, with kids in the background. We've all got it going on. So it's real life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can you share with us a bit about why you started Sick Cabin? So you have this brand, which as far as I'm aware, started on Instagram called Sick Happens and you're a pediatric nurse. So do you want to kind of share a bit about your journey being a nurse and seeing what families are needing than how you started Sick Happens? Yeah, of course. So I have been a pediatric nurse for over 10 years and my husband used to be in the Air Force. So we, we actually moved around quite a lot, which was fabulous for, for my job because I was really lucky to have so many different roles in all in pediatric nursing. So I've only ever cared for kids, which is my fave. 
and I've worked in emergency and food allergy research and all of the surgical medical wards and it really hit home to me when I was working in a children's only emergency department particularly working at triage at the front desk and I would see so many parents come through absolutely terrified um, about all sorts of different symptoms and some some of the symptoms were you know a, a legitimate emergency and some of them were just you know our common you know everyday sicknesses but they just didn't have that knowledge or that confidence or the access to GPs or you know because kids always get sick in the middle of the night so these parents would come in and be absolutely terrified and just need someone to explain things to them um, in a really easy to understand way but there was just no time when you're at emergency you just have to triage quickly and get everyone through and so when we moved back to New to Newcastle I thought right I need to create something that can give parents this education give them the tools to be able to recognize symptoms of sickness in kids those everyday things and know when to get help and just feel really confident about doing that themselves I don't want to make parents feel like they have to handle everything but just knowing what's normal what's not when to get help and just have that little bit more understanding for themselves yeah that's so important too because well especially you go from like not having kids to them being a new mum and then all of a sudden your child gets sick and it's something that you've never dealt with before and maybe you've never seen a sick child before and you think is this is this serious is this not so I love that it is a space where any questions are welcome and I love that too about your page is you can feel like you're as silly as you might think you are but actually <laughs> there's no silly questions but totally yeah, no, it's so good. So let's chat about symptom tracking. Mm. How how do we go about symptom tracking? Because I know that that is uh, one thing that you're really passionate about is looking at the different symptoms that are happening to help then address the actual problem. So can you chat with us a bit about why it's important to track symptoms and how we can go about it? Yeah, definitely. I am very passionate about this. You're so right. I think because we we live in a time where we do, I don't know if it's subconscious or conscious that we have so much pressure on parents to be able to be the chef, the nurse, the um, cleaner, the shopper, like everything that like we expect parents to be able to do everything and having, you know, we just sort of don't tend to reach out as much as we probably used to. Um, and we have so many different experts around us that we really need to utilize their skills. And so what I always say to parents is we don't expect you to have to diagnose your child and come up with a treatment plan and then treat your child and do everything like we just want you to pick up the basics and know when to put your hand up and say, I'm not coping, I need help. And symptom tracking is a really wonderful way to do this because you can write things down. I'm a big pen and paper kind of a person and I actually created a symptom tracker for this purpose where you can write down all of their symptoms um, so that if they've been sick for a couple of days, you can look back and go, oh, no, like they have been sick for a while. And when you do finally see your GP, you can say, 
this happened, this happened, this happened, because we all know that we forget everything as soon as we walk through those doors to see our doctors or any healthcare professional. So tracking it gives you that ability to look back objectively and not forget anything. But then it's also incredibly useful where if you've got a little one that's had, you know, symptoms like coughs and colds all the time, or they get croup all the time, or they're having these random fevers, you can flick that through over the weeks and the months and say, oh, there is a little bit of a pattern here and you don't ever forget it and it's all there and it's just a huge relief on your mental load to have to remember everything because it's, it's just written down there ready to go. Yes, how many times have you taken a child to the doctor or even emergency and all of a sudden it's like they're making you out to be a liar? <laughs> We used to laugh so much when families would come through. They're like, we promised they were sick just before. I'm like, oh, honestly, we believe you. Like they just get so distracted with what's going on around them that they just look fine. Like, Tell me your story. I believe you. <laughs> Especially in emergency with all the bright lights and all the people, they're just, oh, what's, what's this? Yeah. So I think, yeah, that's so important too because, yeah, you go there and you – your GP says, oh, so tell me what's been happening. Um, And you forget everything. <laughs> so having it written down is such, such a good, and knowing the symptoms to look out for, which we'll go into in a little bit. Um, but mm. first I just wanted to ask, is there a secret to knowing when to go to the GP, when to go to GP access or the emergency room or when to call an ambulance? <gasps> This is such a great question because I have tried so many times to create like a little, like a flow chart or like a, a question checklist or something for parents because I get asked this question all of the time and I just can't do it because it is, it, the annoying thing with kids is that their symptoms are all different, they're different each time they're sick. Some kids handle, you know, for example, pain. Some kids handle pain quite well. Others don't. So there, it's just it's impossible to sit back and say, oh, you know, if they've got ear pain, you go to your GP because you ha could have a child that's in excruciating pain and it, it's not working and something else is going on. So I think the easiest thing that I've come to to tell parents is that how safe you feel is when you decide which option to go for so we're still talking about pain if you think your little one's in pain let's say you think they potentially have broken a bone and you can't get them in the car um, safely to transport them then you can call an ambulance there's no problem with doing that or if you're concerned about their breathing you're like oh I don't know if I can sit them in the back of the car like what if they stop breathing on the drive you can call an ambulance like it's really how safe and confident you feel in getting your child safely to see whatever healthcare professional you want so most of the time you're like right I think we'll be right to go to the GP um, but then you throw in the mix of well there's no appointments available or they've got a snotty nose and a fever so you, you can't go see your GP because of the world we're in at the moment with coronavirus so it's really gray and messy and icky but learning how to troubleshoot through that and trying to ignore other people's opinions and what you think they're thinking about you don't worry about that just focus on yourself and what you want to do and then pick the one that's 
suit you best. Yeah, that is so, so important too. And to never think, because I, I've shared my story with Nora, how she um, ended up in the ICU, but it even that day I was like, oh, is she okay? Is she not okay? Like, because I didn't, I didn't know. I now know the signs of serious respiratory distress thanks to you um but I was like oh no I'll just drive it to the hospital because I don't want to bother the ambulance people and then we got there and they're like you drove here you didn't call in there okay and she was straight in so I think it's to also go with your gut like and don't worry about Mm -hmm. annoying paramedics or annoying the people in the emergency room because I know for us when I I don't know. I feel like for me now, sickness is a little bit of a trigger because of the past situation we've had. Mm. And so I've taken them to the GP and the ER before. And every time we have gone, they have said to us, like, we would rather see you a million times than you not come that one time. Yes, I totally agree with that because even when you get to emergency, like I'm not a paramedic, I don't know how their system works, but once all of those families come through emergency working at triage, you just want to eyeball that child. And for like every single one that comes through, you're like, just let me see them. Just let me see them. And then you can be like, right, yep, this is okay. You can wait or no, straight through. So honestly, we would rather, I mean, the wait times are annoying for everyone, but we would rather see you and reassure you and or get your little one seen quickly. Totally. So when we are, say we are in the hospital or um, we're at our GP appointment and maybe we just need some more clarification or we're feeling a bit unheard, how can we advocate for our child? I think as parents we can be, um, we can feel that if we're advocating for our child then it's kind of like we're against the doctors or we don't trust them all, but maybe we just need some more help or we just have some unanswered questions can you talk us through how we can advocate for our children yeah this is a big one I actually just did a post about this because it's so important um because you're right I do feel like whenever you ask questions or you ask for an alternative or you do feel like you're questioning the doctor's ability or your question like it comes across as a little bit um aggressive or abrasive and it honestly is not that at all I feel like in pediatric health we do sometimes when it's busy we get caught up in getting through everyone that we forget that parents don't have the majority of parents don't have medical knowledge they don't have the background they don't have that basic level of understanding of what we know which they shouldn't you know they they don't have that degree um so parents uh, advocating for your child simply is just saying hang on a sec I, I don't understand what you just said can you repeat that or do you have something that I can take home and read because I know you don't have time to sit down and go through everything with me but there's something I can take home. Is there a website that you trust that I can read through or what happens if we don't do this? So asking all of those sorts of questions, that is advocating and that is not being 
annoying or abrasive or anything. It is simply just getting that un- level of understanding that you deserve as a parent because you're the one that's going to be going home with your sick child and looking after them and feeling comfortable to know when to come back and what's the plan. So don't ever feel like you can't ask those questions because otherwise you'll go home and just be incredibly nervous and worried and anxious and not know what to do. So advocating is just asking for more questions, more understanding. I think the big thing is to when you feel like you are needing more clarification to walk away with a plan of knowing what you do from here because when you feel unheard or something like that and you go home and you feel like you're then back at square one, whether if you have asked those questions and you have that plan, you can know when, yeah, when do I come back? When, where do we go mm-hmm. from here? What else do I need to look out for? Absolutely. So let's go back to talking about symptoms for a moment. Just to quickly touch the surface on when do we get concerned when it comes to something like respiratory distress? So what are the telltale signs of um, the symptoms that are coming up where we might need, well, we will need more help for our child? Mm, Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think, um, again, it can look a little bit different in every child. And the most important thing I like to tell all parents is knowing what's normal for your child. So there's so many things that weird and wonderful things that babies and then infants and toddlers can do that may look a little bit questionable in one child, but it's normal for them. So, for example, sometimes um, babies can be born with floppy airways or noisy airways, which is very normal for them as long as they've been um, assessed. But if you have a child that doesn't have that, all of a sudden they're starting to breathe fast and they've got really noisy breathing that could be a bit of a red flag for your child. So just at the start, just look at them every time you're sort of changing nappies and things and just get to know what's normal for them. So then when the symptoms that I'll chat about in a second come through, you know straight away like that wasn't there before, that's different, that looks harder or noisier or whatever. So just knowing what's normal for your child is really important. You can actually also take photos or a video is even better take a video of your little one when they're well so then when they are unwell and you're like oh I don't know is this normal like is that supposed to look like that you can go back and look at that video of when your little one was well and you can spot some differences there so the key the key symptoms when you're talking about troubles breathing or respiratory distress is breathing fast and breathing hard and breathing noisy so there's so many technical terms out there but I don't want to overwhelm everyone but basically if your child's breathing faster than they normally were or if they're breathing harder so that means are they sucking in so the most common spot that kids will suck in is in between the throat uh, in between the rib cage, so you can sort of see the outline of their uh, rib bones with each breath in and out, or underneath their um, where they're sort of their, the bottom of their rib ca- rib cage meets their tummy, it can suck in there. Um, there's other things too, like sometimes little bubs nostrils will flare out, or they'll 
bob their head along um, with each breath, but they can look a little bit more subtle and a little bit more challenging to pick up. So that's where sort of the video can come in really handy. Um, and then the other one is breathing noisier. So I'm not talking about sort of like a blocked nose or a snotty nose. It's is, is something going on where sort of when they're taking each breath in, it's sounding really gaspy or like their airway is getting a bit swollen. So just those really um, more serious uh, signs of there's something going on there. But, yeah, I have heaps of videos on my Instagram page. It's often a little bit easier to see what I'm talking about. It's a bit hard to sort of explain. I've, I'm using my hands here to try and point, but <laughs> it's hard with audio. Yeah, yeah. No, I highly recommend you've got the – respiratory distress highlight and the guides and it's it's all all there for everyone to go and look at so quickly just moving on to fevers because I know that this is probably one that you get a lot of questions about Mm -hmm. um, because a fever can be an indicator of so many things right so what else or what what should we do when we wake up in the middle of the night because it's always the middle of the night and we go into our child and they're really, really hot. Uh, is there a certain number or um, like a temperature number, a degree number, um, or an age that makes things different? What What are the steps in when, when you go and you have a child who has a fever? Yeah. Okay, so I, you're so right. I do get asked about fever so much because there is so much misinformation out there still about fever in kids. Um, but I think there's the age is probably the most important part first. So the magic number for fever being okay in inverted commas and fever not being okay is three months of age, so 12 weeks, which is the, the newborn age. So if you have a little newborn and you go in and they feel hot, so the first thing you need to do is actually check the temperature so we don't want you just to guess. An underarm thermometer is the most accurate in newborns. So if that temperature is 38 degrees Celsius or higher um, in a newborn, then you do need to seek immediate medical attention it may not be necessarily life-threatening, but it's not worth the risk to watch and wait in that age group because they are quite vulnerable. They have, um, they're still building up their immunity and there's so many things it could be. So we want to get them seen immediately. If they're older than three months of age, the number stays the same. So it is still a fever if it's 38 degrees Celsius or higher. But that's when we, when they're older than that three months of age, that's when we move into sort of troubleshooting through what's normal, what's not, what symptoms are concerning, what symptoms are not. So when they're older than that three months of age, the fever is a very normal and natural part of their immune system. It's the way that they fight off bugs. But there's other things that we need to look for that is more concerning than the number if that makes sense. Yeah, so can you just quickly talk us through what kind of things we would be looking for? Like would we we be looking at their breathing, those kinds of things? Mm, Yep, 
So the key symptoms that you're looking for if they've got a fever is, yep, are they showing any signs of difficulty breathing? Are they in any pain that is unrelieved with pain relief? So if you're reaching for paracetamol or ibuprofen, that's usually more for pain rather than bringing that number down. Are they? Are there any signs of dehydration? And then a big one would be um, rashes. So fever and rashes together, you know, it's quite common for them to go together. But the most concerning symptom um, with rashes is a rash that doesn't disappear when you touch it, um, when you gently press on it, because that fever and that called a non-blanching rash, so a rash that doesn't disappear when you touch it. Um, we're always on the lookout for meningococcal, which is an incredibly serious disease um, that we want to act on quickly. Right. Well, thank, thank you so much for that. Um, just next, what is the most important thing for parents to remember when it comes to having an unwell child? I think I like to say that Parents are always going to be the expert in their child. They may not be the expert in the medicine or the treatment plan or understanding sickness in kids, but you know your child. You know what they're like when they're well, and so you are going to be the key player in any decisions that are made because you're their comfort, you're their advocate, you're the one helping make choices. So don't ever feel like you don't have a voice because you are the expert in your child. Yes, so true. And how do you how do you balance between being a pediatric nurse and a mum? Because I feel like I don't know because I'm not a nurse, but yeah, how do you balance that? Do you mean work life balance or dealing with sick kids and no. being a mum? Dealing with when your kids are sick, um, yeah, how do you, do you go into nursing oh, right. or you? <laughs> um, it depends. So I'm either, it's almost like I don't have a middle ground. I'm either, you'll be right, it's fine, everything's fine, go talk to your dad or it'll be like, oh my gosh, and I'll, my mind will go to all of the cases that I've seen and witnessed and it'll be, worst case scenario so I I you I bounce off my husband a lot <laughs> when my kids are sick because I'll be like oh this has happened and this has happened and he's sort of like almost a voice of reason so yeah I, I don't know I'm just I'm either very very onto it or it'll be fine <laughs> yeah no it's good that you you're just like us too um, but yeah, totally. how do you, you work life balance? Because I know that you are still um, doing some work in the hospital. Is that right? Yeah, so I'm casual at my local um, children's hospital, but I have since it happens has really started to take off. I have um, been doing less and less shifts. I don't ever, I'll always stay clinical um, because that's really important to me to be able to keep up my skills and know what's happening. But in terms of, yeah, running this business and being a mum because I still have my youngest home with me a couple of days a week, um, yeah, it's a juggle. I'm still learning. <laughs> I don't think there's ever a complete balance, but I'm just learning how to shift my priorities, that's all. 
And just when you feel like you've got it balanced, something happens, something changes and you go, I don't no, I don't have it all together actually. Yep. Someone gets sick or something in the business changes and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing or my eldest started school. So yeah, it is a constant changing adventure, but it's great. Life is great at the moment. No, so good. So do you have any hacks? Uh, for keeping up fluids or giving medications? What are your kind of hacks for um, helping make life with a sick child a little bit easier? Mm, Yeah. So, again, this sort of depends a little bit on the age of the child, but pretty much for any age, um, don't stress yourself out if they're sick with food. Um, Just let that ball drop. Um, but just focus on fluids. So in terms of getting fluids in, if they're older and they're able to drink out of cups and they're not just having milk as their um, primary source of nutrition and hydration, you can muck around with sort of fun cups and straws and drink bottles and you can play around with different flavours and things, like anything you want to do to try and help them drink, like smoothies or soups or any of that. But As for our younger bubs where their only source of hydration and nutrition is milk, um, the best thing that you can do is offer smaller feeds but a lot more frequently. So they may be like they're snacking in inverted commas. That's okay as long as they're just sort of you desperately trying to keep up their 24-hour period intake rather than doing, you know, depending on, whether you're breastfeeding or bottle feeding, don't worry so much about getting their full volumes in in one feed. Just space it out over the day. Um, but as for medicines, gosh, it's re- it is really hard. Some kids love medicine and you'll never have a problem, you know, you almost have to hold them back from the medicine cabinet. Um, but then you've got other kids that really don't like doing it. And I think the best thing that you can do is try and role play and play with your little one when they don't need that medicine so that it's a little bit more, it's not as frightening where you sort of get it out and pin them down and try and give it to them. Using it, you know, like as little little syringes of like little water pistols or giving it to their dolls or their dinosaurs. Um, but if that's not working, then I have heaps of tips on my Instagram page, there's a little guide there of, you know, sort of aiming to the side of the mouth or using dummies or sprinkles. Like there's heaps of tips there. It just really depends on the developmental capacity of your child, like whether they're able to drink off a spoon or not or, yeah, it's a bit, it's hard. But I feel you, it is really tricky sometimes to give kids medicines and fluids because they don't want it. They they just like, nope, and they'll clench their jaw shut but there are a couple of little yeah little tricks you can do you don't know the strength of a two-year-old until you're trying to get them to open oh. it yeah it can be full-on <laughs> or um giving a so my daughter we for a while had to do a preventative puffer and may I did mm. not know how strong she was until we <laughs> took two of us to pin her down yes Yes, uh, those puffers are pretty terrifying. You like sort of hold holding them down and then shoving this thing on their face. Yeah, but unfortunately, those types of medications are essential. Yeah, but role playing is such a good idea, especially with something like a puffer because it is big and 
freak mm-hmm. wanting to put this thing over their nose and mouth. Uh, so role playing, that's such a good idea. Mm. And then if they're old enough to like sort of, you know, around sort of two-ish and, and older, you can start to talk to them about why. Like obviously at two it's going to be quite basic, but I'm really big on including your kids in the conversation and telling them about, you know, what their bodies do and when they're sick and the bugs and the germs and how medicine helps. Like giving them that knowledge is really empowering for them to sort of understand why we have to do hard things, but it's to help us. Um, And you know your kids best, like you'll know what they're capable of understanding and all of that sort of thing. But I think it's so important to at least start early and start teaching them about that because it will really help them be a bit more accepting in knowing the why. So true. Uh, And just quickly, I just wondered if you could tell us all, because you have a online course um do you just want to quickly share with everyone what is that because I think that it's such a um valuable thing that parents don't realize would be helpful to have in their toolkit until the sickness happens so do you want to just quickly um talk about that with us yeah so the course is called normal or not because I'm such a big um, advocate in teaching parents, yeah, literally what is normal for our kids and what's not, Um, because that's where the transition comes from, what you can handle at home and when you need to get help. And I think that's a huge question that parents deliberate on for so long is knowing when do I get help or what, what can I do at home? So that is exactly what this course is about. And What I focus on in the course is giving you um, the main symptoms of sickness in kids. So we've got fever and trouble breathing, rashes, vomiting, poo, um, immunity. Um, So it's sort of, it's not teaching you about specific illnesses. It's teaching you about the symptoms because they all apply to so many different sicknesses and we go through case studies and there's video footage um but my favorite part of the course is access to another private instagram page where we do more posts there and we do questions and there's just a lot more one-to-one that we do um with the parents in there and myself where we can ask questions and chat and it's just a lot more of that ongoing support for you to yeah, ask questions and just feel really confident in knowing what to do when your kids are sick. Yes, I absolutely love the private little Instagram um, because it is just more like the public one is amazing and then you go into, I feel like their private one's just a whole nother level. (laughs) Yeah, it's sort of nice to be able to share a lot more. We practice what we've learnt in the course and a lot more sort of videos to be like, let's let's walk through this together let's troubleshoot this together to get you really comfortable with when it happens at home you're not sort of panicked it's like right what what can we do here yeah because the difference is that we can then be confident when it comes to a sick child and I think that that is such so important for parents to know that they can actually be empowered to be confident to know what to look for, to know what to do 
uh, to know and recognise what is normal for their child and, mm. and, yeah, to then be able to advocate that. So thank you so much. Do you have any final bits of encouragement or advice for parents? No, I think just that kids get sick. Like <laughs> that's why I called it Sick Happens. Like, I don't want parents to feel like that they're doing something wrong when they've got a snotty nose and then a cough and then they've got gastro and then they've got hand, foot and mouth and then they've got a fever. Like this is unfortunately part of parenting and it sucks so bad, but please don't feel like you're doing anything wrong. Just We just have to ride it out and I promise it gets easier. We just need to give it time. <laughs> yeah. And just before we go, uh, can you just let everyone know where to find you online? Yeah, so I have a website, which is just www.sickhappens.com.au. Um, and then I also have an Instagram page, which is at sick.happens. Um, and that's got heaps of video footage and posts and we do lives and quizzes and things like that there. So it's a fun place to learn. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Penny. This has been a really valuable conversation that I know is going to help so many parents in knowing um, what what things to look for and how to advocate for their child. So thank you so much for your time. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's always so lovely to chat to other parents because yeah, we we are all in this together, as cliched as it sounds. Yeah, we need to help one another out. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of The Wholesome Mama Show. I pray that you're blessed by this conversation. And if you did get something out of today's episode, I would love for you to take a moment, leave a review, subscribe, and even share this episode on your socials. And please don't forget to tag me at Wholesome Mama. And also, did you know that we have a community that is fully based around conversations happening in this podcast? Search on Facebook, The Wholesome Mama Community, and I will see you in there. Let's share the love and light and help more women to thrive.